Okay, next up, we have um, another fantastic uh, seed camp company um, talk for you. Really, really excited and grateful for this one. We've got Anthony, who's the co-founder and CEO of Seed Legals. Very proud uh, seed camp company. You know, the first legal automation platform for startup funding. Um, you know, they've really done an exceptional job on getting their brand out there and, and how they've done that through B2B content has, has been a sort of really key element of their success. Um, so Anthony is gonna talk to you guys about some of their learnings there. Anthony, what's up Hello. to you? I was actually thinking doing? about you the other day because I was like, I remember you used to run between all your meetings. Uh, yes. And I was like, how are you keeping up the running now if you're not able to go between meetings? That is a very big problem. And when it was summer, <laughs> I would, uh, you know, after I was done with my days, well, my afternoons calls, then I would go uh, have a run and it could be at nine o'clock at night and then it was eight o'clock at night and then seven o'clock at night. And I think this is going to be the big problem with COVID and winter because during summer, you could sit on the balcony, you could go out and about, there's a lot of light. But now, you know, by the time the, your, your work day is gone, it's dark. So I think people are going to want to be back in the office and go out and about. Um, I was just about getting my team, probably about 30% of them back in the office uh, using bribery cake and biscuits and so on, and a nice big office with aircon in the hot days and so on. Um, and then Boris said, stay at home. And then it's just, you know, everyone's fled again. So I've uh, just yesterday messaged everyone on Slack saying you've got a 250 pound budget per person to spend on home office gizmos, um, because I'm guessing you're gonna be working from home for a while. So uh, people are hitting me up for everything from the usual office chairs to uh, an audio file D to A converter. So I have to be a bit careful anyway. We we digress. Love so, it, love it. I'm gonna I'm doing I'm doing the same. Our team. I was like, I need all of these things. <laughs> so Anthony, over yeah. to you. Yeah. So you asked me to talk a bit about content marketing. So I'm not a marketing guy. Uh, don't have a marketing company. I'm a founder. So I'm going to tell you what we're doing. You know, as a founder. So I think uh, you know if you want uh, people to know what uh, your company does, you know, you've got a few things you can do. Number one, you can rely on SEO. So you can write uh, articles that are SEO optimized, which means Google finds them and humans often don't like them. Number two, you can start doing events. So pre-COVID, you know, at Seed Legals, we tried to be omnipresent, you know, at least three nights a week in London startup events. Our goal was to be everywhere. But of course, events other than webinars are not really that happening these days. The next thing is paid advertising. So once you've got a product you can sell that makes you more than an ad or custom acquisition will, will cost, then you can start paying for advertising. But for most companies, that's a poor use of money until you've got product market fit. So advertising is something for later. The next thing is, you know, paid placement. If you uh, sell, you know, uh, moisturizers, cosmetics, you can pay to have these placed in other places. Firstly, it costs money. Secondly, you know, the ROI is often not so good. And thirdly, it leaves a bit of a, you know, slightly icky feel. So that's not so good. The next one is pay-per-click. So Facebook, Google, and so on, you can use that. You can spend huge amounts of money. You can make huge amounts of money. But I think that also really works only once you've got a product 
that uh, people can buy immediately where you'll make more on the sale of the product than the customer acquisition cost. So that works great sort of at your series A level. And that's often why people raise lots of series A money to spend fortunes on advertising, pay-per-click and so on. But what are you gonna do before you get there? And for me, that is content marketing. So content marketing is writing, in my view, really informative, useful, great, piece of content that people are going to find and they're going to find them how they're going to find them one of course google will find them for them when they do a search two you'll start sprinkling them around on your linkedin posts on facebook um, you'll share them with partners you might do deals with partners sites that they publish them maybe you've got friendly investors like seed camp who'll spread the word so for me at seed legals and in fact in all of my startups my big focus initially has been all about content marketing it's really the one that's free but it's also got a bunch of great other benefits. So one of the things I really hate doing is doing anything more than once. So answer with an article is our mantra at Seed Legals. So the next thing I think is really who's going to write these articles. And there are a few possibilities. I think for me, a great article is somebody uh, who knows the audience and is a domain expert writing it rather than a paid writer. So what I love to do at Seed Legals is with this mantra of answer with an article is the third time somebody asks us a question, I ask whoever our domain expert is to write an article on it. And then if it's really sort of like an internal platformy thing, we'll host that on intercom so that it can start suggesting this little AI machine learning algorithm. You type in something like SEIS tax issue and it'll start suggesting the article. Or we might put on a help site, which Google doesn't seem to index quite as well, or we might start putting it on our main site, or we might start looking to pass it on to Business Insider or someone else, depending on whether it's solving a little problem or it's a thought leadership piece. So that mantra has been really good. Firstly, we spend a lot less time having to research things individually. And there, what I like to do is I know if people go to a law firm, law firms will charge you again and again to do the same thing, you know, charge you by the hour. My goal is I'll spend unlimited capex to write an article to solve the problem or build some tech. And then it's there for one click, either for free or not. And so um, that neatly provides some great content. Now, with the content, of course, you, you have to play a bit of a careful balance, particularly if you want other sites to run with your content. And this is where I always run into trouble because you can easily write a wonderful informative piece that Business Insider or TechCrunch or whatever would love to run, but it has no business benefit for you. So, you know, the uptake on uh, the economy post COVID, you know, using data, if it doesn't click through to your site and it doesn't have your brand or name somewhere, it's a very nice piece. You've contributed to it, but it's hard to justify the time. On the other hand, if it's just filled with how you have helped or it's your data or all sorts of cool stuff you do, it's a great plug for your uh, site, but no one's going to run it. You can put it on your own site. You can stick it as a medium article and try and get people to come, but it's far too salesy. So your challenge is to find that right balance in between. Now, going right back to the early days of your startup, when you're looking for investment, 
um, you, uh, you know, for an investor, they're trying to pick the signal from the noise. So endless numbers of people are hitting them up for investment, whether it's BC Camp or anyone else. And now who are you going to bet on? Who are you going to invest in? And of course, in the early days, no one's got a, any idea if it's going to be a good idea or not. Here's my new amazing gizmo that will track whatever. I don't know, will it work? So I think what investors do is they start doing a bit of their own research. They'll start Googling it. They'll start Googling you. They'll start Googling the product name. And if they find nothing other than maybe competitors or random articles of similar words, that's not very good. But if they start finding your articles everywhere, there's a lot more signal and they're going to think that you're bigger than you are. So for me, content marketing is all about in the early stages appearing bigger than you are. And there, what I like is the role model. I need to check, I think it was Napoleon, where once upon a time, his armies were smaller than the others, that his enemy. So he sent his soldiers up into the hills at night and they lit fires surrounding the enemy. And so the enemy thought, oh my God, we're surrounded. It's all, but there were like a half dozen people on a few hills, it was small. So in the early stages of your company, can you appear much larger than you are by having a selection of great articles? And those articles could be small things that indicate a problem in how you're solving it. They could be thought leadership pieces, the future of blockchain, something, smart contracts, term sheets, whatever it is for you. So the more that you can do in the really early stages, the larger you can appear on the internet compared to what you are. And that is fantastic uh, because if you think about your company, the first, the very first thing you want to do after you've had an idea is find a co-founder. Then you want to start finding investment. Then you want to start finding people to join your team. Then you want to start finding users and customers. And at each stage, content is going to help you. So, you know, maybe finding a co-founder is, you know, random event at a pub or tech hub or whatever the reinvention of tech hub is. But for finding team members, if they, when they start Googling your company to find out if it's, you know, a decent size, happening, cool, buzzing, and they see interesting pieces, thought leadership, pieces written by your team, that is a really great clincher for getting people on board. So the next very brief thing is, I think content, you might think about it as, you know, as your business grows, a sort of a strategic journey. In the beginning, it's about maybe explaining a problem space and why you want to, the reason for your business. Then it might be something that satisfies market. So if people are looking for a particular thing, if you have an article that shows them how to do that thing. So on Seed Legals, you know, we'll look at, you know, everyone Googles for SEIS and my founders left and co-founder and how do I transfer shares and can I do shares without tax and so on. So our head of growth loves to tell me when our SEIS articles uh, SEO and rank higher than HMRCs, like, yes, that's a win. Beating the government on the SEO <laughs> on, on that. But so you, you're making market by uh, representing answers to what things uh, that, that people are looking for. But there's a stage beyond that, which is then making market. And making market now says, well, enough people are looking and know about us. We can start taking a thought leadership position to guide where we might want to go next. 
And now, of course, that's not necessarily what your current customers are looking for. They're just going, how do I do my SEIS or, you know, whatever. But your Series A or Series B investors are looking at those sort of pieces. You know, we just uh, published an article on, uh, in fact, a LinkedIn post on a deal manager product we're working on. And we got a foreign government investment agency call us wanting to know more about deal managers. Like, okay, that was unexpected. Someone's following us. That's great. So... Uh, just to wrap up then, a few quick examples of, um, you know, different kind of content that we've created. Um, the most recent one uh, for me is our Pitch Deck Clinic series. So I kept having people calling me going, hey, can you look at my Pitch Deck? And with my mantra of answer with an article and do it scalably, I figure, you know, I'm just out of the hours in the day to review people's pitch decks. There are endless number of articles that tell you how to grace uh, great pitch deck and they're completely useless for the most part because they'll tell you how uber raised eight billion it doesn't matter what their pitch deck said they had one chart on it that went like this or airbnb the rest could have said you know yada 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 it, it doesn't help you so i thought i would take actual pitch decks because there are a lot of really bad ones around and gently pick them apart with the founder but the quid pro quo is i would do it on air you know, something you can watch so it would be scalable and help others. Anyway, it turns out Pitch Deck Clinic has been hugely popular. You'll find it on Seed Legal's resources deal data. There's some content marketing. But I was running down to my office actually, uh, or back from the office two weeks ago, and someone stopped me in the street going, hey, I saw you on Pitch Deck Clinic. So it's like, that's amazing. And now we've got a spin-off series from that. So sometimes these little things, if you put some effort into it, that effort is greatly repaid for, you know, it's been several hours of my time, quite a few hours, but not very much money to make that series. I think the uh, last piece then for me, I think indicating how you can take content and then strategically use it um, to both satisfy a smaller need and then a thought leadership piece is uh, the, the pieces we did on uh, company uh, uptick on investment following the arrival of COVID and now a bit later on. So there was all this doom and gloom, you know, investing stopped and so on. So we've got lots of data on seed legals. So we looked at the data and we saw actually it was down. Some things were down, some things were down a lot, some things weren't down. So I thought, well, that's useful for our marketing team and sales team. And I know, do I need to furlough people or not? Not was good. Um, but could I now make this information available? And of course, I would love that people had a good news story. If the data supported that the economy was not down, at least in startup space, that would help make sure that investors had the confidence to invest. So I could see that thanks to us having some traction, our information could actually not only satisfy a desire for people to know, thanks to, you know, data, quant, but actually begin to shape the outcome. And then what I learned back from my BBC iPlayer days, where I started writing quite techie articles, because I thought it was useful to spread the information, I found that what's quite fascinating is you write quite a technical article and you discover these sort of layers, these circles um, of influence. And with each growing circle of influence, the, the information becomes more and more blurred. So let me explain. So on our help section on our site, we might write a really techie article on which buttons to push to do something. That's not of interest to most 
most people, it's super techy. So on our general public website, we may write a more general interest article, but my goal is I want to be super technical and super specific. But that is great. You'll get all the information you need if you're kind of techy. But then you might go a bit further and maybe Seedcamp will run it in their newsletter. Um, I shouldn't say dumbed down, but made more accessible. They're not going to run with detailed liquidation preference terms. But then someone will pick up the Seedcamp article. And what I love is with our COVID article, we started with quite a technical set of things. And then Business Insider picked up and ran with it. And then they ran with it as the lead on their weekly newsletter. And then the Telegraph picked it up and it says Seed Legal's data shows economies improving. It's like, I never actually said that. I showed a narrow set of things about advanced subscription agreements and SEIS uptake uh, or down, downtrends, but with each sphere of influence, it increases. And I, I love that. It also means that you have a duty to make sure that what you're saying is accurate and can't be misread. Anyway, that's the probably slightly more than 10 minutes for me on uh, content marketing. Thank you very much. It's because there was so much awesome insight to share there. I mean, I remember kind of, in the early days and Noelle hitting me up a lot, like, can we link to this article? Can we include this? At what stage in the Seed Legal's journey did you decide to sort of flip it from kind of leveraging other people's content to actually saying, actually now is the point where we have the resource or it's the right time we have product market fit, that actually we need to start owning the content piece ourselves? I think that's a really great question because, uh, and I think it goes to who writes the content because it's often, the problem, I think the great article is the intersection of someone who knows their domain perfectly and someone who can write beautifully. If you outsource to a writer, you'll get a sort of generic, they'll just repackage the same shit you get on the internet of all these other articles and it's just another one. If you ask your CTO to write an article, it'll be a super techie article or you know one of your legal team or whatever it is, your domain experts, it'll be super techie, but maybe they just don't write a good story. It's just not very good. So I think the tipping point is when you've got enough information that is unique to you. And I think that's really the win on content marketing. You know, when you start, um, many of your team, you know, you've hired them from elsewhere. They don't know more than anyone else does. And your goal is now to know more than anyone else and then package it up in a way that others hopefully will look to voraciously devour that. Mm. Super helpful. Um, quick question from Irina, who's from one of our awesome companies, Boundless. She was asking like, how do you guys actually carve out time to do all that writing? Maybe like how many people do you actually have responsible for producing content within the team? That is a very good question and one I don't know the answer to. So my goal is, um, you know, across our team, some people specialize in different things and they're quite techy. And because we've got a lot of people on Seed Legals, they really, we've, we've seen more uh, problems or more use cases than I suppose pretty much anyone else has. So we, there are these domain experts, but they're all really busy. Um, so how do I try and incentivize them to take time off from doing whatever they're doing? I think you need to do, firstly, I don't know the answer, but I think you need to try and create that framework that encourages Wednesday, dude, stop all other things, it's content writing day. Maybe you can create some gamification. You know, we'd like one article a month from each person. Um, you know, that would be great. Maybe you can have a prize for something. Um, 
I think one of the challenges also, by the way, if you get your team, which I think is the best way to write content, to distribute amongst the team, the challenge you have is that everyone's tone of voice is different. You know, some people on our team are, you know, French, you know, Scandinavian, Indian, Israeli. You know, the Israelis have a very different way of writing um, than the French or, you know, someone who's been to Oxford. So how do you then unify that? And I think for there, you know, I like to review and tweak things before it goes live on our website, which for better or for worse makes me the bottleneck and I'm insanely behind. So maybe the answer is try to find and incentivize team members to write it and then try and channel it through someone who'll tweak the tone of voice until everyone else inherits your team tone of voice. Super helpful. Thanks so much, um, Anthony, for all of that.